Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. You come out going shopping when you owe somebody money, Johnny. That ain't right. How much you got there? Sorry, I'm going to pay him next week. I'm going to pay you. The hell are you? Well, I'm this here private investigator who was sent here this afternoon to uh, find you, but the good doctor here dummied up. It's just, it's too far. My lord, did you just say a serious musician? I don't think so. He called you a cowboy. What did he mean? What are you? Just a humble bounty hunter, ma'am. Hi everyone, my name is Chris, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Hurtastic Podcast. That is right, this is our first ever episode. Um, I am your host here in on Hurtastic Podcast. What we're here to do is talk about movies. I love movies, and I'm sure if you're listening, you probably do too. I love su- movies so much that uh, maybe sometimes I feel like I need to see a doctor because it's almost like... I'm I'm so addicted to watching movies all the time. I feel like I need some sort of like uh, like therapy for it because I feel like I'm watching a movie every single day. And you know when you watch movies like that, I feel like you need an outlet. So hopefully this is the podcast for it. If you're recognizing my voice, which I doubt you are, but if you are, thank you because you probably know me from my YouTube channel, which is called the Hurtastic Reviews. It's a YouTube channel where, um, you know, I talk about movies. Um, it's a very unsuccessful YouTube channel, that's for sure. I'm a little over 100, uh, 120 subscribers, but we have some fun on that channel. What we do is we, we talk about movies, we do ranking videos, uh, we do Blu-ray hunt videos. Um, I do a few collab um, um, ranking videos and reviews um, with other YouTubers. So yeah, it's, we, we, we have a, like to have a lot of fun there. However, what I wanted to do, what I couldn't do in that channel, is talk for a while on movies and like the current state of of cinema. I just, I feel like a podcast would be better fitting for that. So here I am. I, what I like to do on this channel is just, like I said, talk about the state of film and just in like the news, um, like what controversies, upcoming movies, you know, my thoughts and opinions on them. Also, what I'd like to do is is dedicate this podcast to, like, film, uh, you know, because, like, I love movies so much. Some of my favorite genres are obviously, like, the horror genre. Um, I really love old cinema as well, you know, 1930s, 40s to, like, all the way to 1970s for sure. Uh, the 1970s is definitely uh, my favorite decade, that's for sure. My favorite movie is Alien from 1979, which also that year, Kramer vs. Kramer won Best Picture too, which is uh, a really great Dustin Hoffman film that I really like. But yeah, uh, the 1970s are, are definitely going to be a, a decade uh, we, we revisit a lot, hopefully, in the future of this podcast. So if you're into that stuff, you're in the right place. Um, I, we also talk about some foreign films um, on this channel as well. Um, I recently saw Parasite, and my goodness, that movie is amazing. Definitely blow my blew my ass out of the water, uh, that's for sure. So I highly recommend Parasite. Um, and if you want to talk about foreign films, this is a place you, you can go home. Other things that we'd love to do in this channel in the future, if you're interested, stick around, is Director Series, where we dedicate uh, one or two episodes to different, you know, a couple episodes into... Uh, different directors and visit their filmography and kind of like what their imprint and uh, legacy is on cinema. I feel like the first one we'll do is on Scorsese um, and tie that in with the current news of uh, uh, Martin Scorsese's thoughts and opinions on the MCU and the MCU fandom that's uh, trying to destroy him for whatever reason. But yeah, that's kind of like what I like to do. The format of this uh, channel, what I like to do is uh, kind of like the first half uh, just kind of talk about like some stuff that's been sticking out in the news, maybe some new releases, and then tie that into some sort of uh, film review at the uh, later half. So for today, we'll talk about some of the movies of 2019 in review so far. Just because it's November, we're getting close to the end of this year, and fit me, you know, maybe visit a few of the movies that came out. And then one of the movies we'll talk about, uh, which is called Scream Queen, uh, My Nightmare on Elm Street, a documentary, uh, which explores uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Well, later on this episode, we are going to talk about Not Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, which I'm very excited for. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, and yeah, that's right. You heard that. One of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, so we'll talk about that later today. Ultimately, I'd love to have guests on this channel at some point, too. One that really sticks to mind is one of my dear friends, Daniel Epler, who also has a co- uh, a podcast channel. Almost gave it away. His channel is called uh, Cobwebs, which is a gothic horror cinema podcast. If you don't know what that is, um, what he does on that channel is he talks about Hammer Horror Films, Universal Horror, the creepy gothic castles, Dracula, um, 
Italian giallo films at times. Yeah, just really good stuff there. Anything that has cobwebs, obviously, and really great set pieces, uh, that's what he's going to be doing. So I definitely recommend his podcast. Uh, that's Cobwebs, a gothic cinema podcast. Really great stuff. I'm actually featured many times on that podcast giving kind of BS uh, opinions. So now you can hear that BS here on this channel. So hopefully with this podcast, I'd like to have it be weekly, if not bi-weekly, each time it releases. And I'm thinking we'll put it out on Wednesdays uh, just to kind of get you through that hump day, um, you know, halfway through the end of that week. Um, maybe you'll need a little uplifter to push you to that weekend. So that's where we can watch movies. So that'll be the goal there. But yeah, mostly what I want to do with this podcast is like I said, I, there's so many great podcasts out there and I just want to be a part of it. And I also want to bring light to a few of them if I'm able to do that and contribute to this community. That's amazing. Also, I think, you know, it's important to like hear different opinions. So maybe my opinion maybe appeals to you than someone else's by chance. Um, but yeah, I'm also here to just make friends and, and meet new people. If you'd like to interact with me, uh, I have a letterbox. It's uh, obviously at Chris Hurtado, which is my last name. So you can see me on letterbox. I, I write reviews on there. I'm always on Twitter. Twitter game is kind of weak right now, but it, it's 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 been there for a while. Um, and like I said, on my YouTube channel, you can definitely interact with me. Okay, so like I said... Um, we are here to talk about 2019, the review so far, but wait, before we do that, maybe I should introduce myself a little bit more. So like I said, I'm from Northern Illinois, uh, outside of Chicago, and I've moved here to Missouri, uh, Springfield to be exact. And, uh, I, I just love films. I, I think I've always grown up around movies. Um, I think one of the earliest movies I remember, um, is at least scary movies is the nightmare on Elm street series. I remember watching it with my mom and cousins. We used to have those, uh, four film favorite packs and we'd have like all the nightmare on Elm street movies. And I remember just one time just binge watching through them with everyone. And man, it freaked me out, but I also loved it so much. Obviously the Disney movies, my grandmother had all those VHS clamshells for them. So, you know, Fox, the hound, Robin hood, uh, Aristocats, which is my favorite Disney movie. Uh, you know, grew up watching those, uh, Star Wars, obviously, I think I'm a pretty big nerd in terms of Star Wars. I'm not really apologizing for it. I think I remember binge watching the Clone War movie or Attack of the Clone, excuse me, the most because it was on DVD and my grandma's, um, <laughs> she had like one of the TVs in her van. So we would always, my brother and I would always watch, uh, Attack of the Clones for whatever reason. Um, which is actually the worst uh, of the Star Wars movies. So um, it's weird how that works out. Um, when I got to my more teenage years, um, right before I think I became a teenager, I, I stumbled upon Alien, um, Ridley Scott's 1979 film, um, and that movie changed me. I, I watched it. I was terrified. I thought it was original, which it was, and I just, Sigourney Weaver on screen, she just really captured like my attention as a young man. I just thought she was so attractive, and I thought she was so cool because she was kicking ass. And in most of our other movies, she's kicking ass, which is awesome. Um, obviously, she uh, whenever I see her movies, she just really elevates my love for it. And I'm looking at you, Galaxy Quest. Also, you know, you two, Tim Allen with the Christmas, the Santa Claus. So um, there, there's that. But no, Alien was just an amazing film. And it made me really want to just watch all of them, which I did. And it's one of my favorite franchises. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, after Aliens, it, it gets questionable. But you know what? Alien Resurrection's awesome. It has a lot of fun, and Ron Perlman's in there, and uh, it just it's just a good time. So uh, you know, I love the Alien movies. So uh, you know, obviously Nightmare on Elm Street. So which we'll be talking about later today, but that had a huge imprint on my life. Uh, Lord of the Rings. I saw all three in theaters um, as a kid. My my parents took me. Uh, so Lord of the Rings is a huge part of my life. Um, it's a perfect trilogy. Uh, I think the first Star Wars movie, I mean, since we're talking about like trilogies and stuff, I think the first Star Wars movie I, I saw, my dad tells me at least, was The Phantom Menace uh, when it was released. I was born in 96. So, you know, when that movie released, I was a little baby. And he said, but he kept, keeps always telling me when I was a kid or baby, I would cry and cry in the line to get to the movie and I'd fall asleep as soon as that movie started. So if that gives you an impression of what I think of the movie. No, no. Phantom Menace is actually, I, I, I've grown to really like that movie. Horror films, I get that from my mom. Uh, we binge watched them so many times when I was growing up. But then when when I became a teenager, like I keep trying to get to, is, oh uh, man, I my mom and I would go to family videos so many times. We'd rent so many movies. But um, uh, I, I that's when I started doing film study. Like in, I was taking it to my own hands. I was renting movies 
you know, that one best pictures. I had a, I had a, a teacher in high school who uh, was a big film guy and he had a poster of every single best picture winners all the way from wings. And, um, he said he's seen every single one of them. And then he, he, he went in and watched every single movie that was nominated that for each year. And, you know, I just thought that was so cool. And I, at one point I really did want to, and I really did try. Um, but man, a lot of those movies are hard to get. Um, but you know, most of my favorite ones were from the 1970s. So you have the Godfathers, you have, uh, uh, obviously Ridley Scott and Alien Kramer versus Kramer. Um, just so many good things in the 70s. Rocky, uh, Annie Hall with Woody Allen. Uh, let's see. Oh, t- Taxi Driver with Martin Scorsese, which is his best in my opinion. Uh, just really great stuff from the 70s. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of more embarrassing stories I can share so you feel like you get to know me and I can justify talking about movies. Uh, one time, if my preschool, my kindergarten teacher is listening, I guess, at one time when I was in kindergarten, my dad would always tell me when we had these, uh, like Monday through Friday, like behavior sheets, like you would circle, like circle your, your circle green. If like you were in the green, if you were misbehaving, you got circled yellow and red and so on. Uh, my dad would say at every Friday, if you got green all through the week, we would go to family video and you can rent a movie. And this is when it was VHS times. So, um, that meant a lot of that meant a lot to me, uh, growing up as a kindergarten, uh, kindergartner, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would always rent, um, mostly star Wars, <laughs> um, or the Batman animated series movie. So mask of the phantasm and sub zero, but I would always go to star Wars and I would always want to rent the last jet. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Um, better make this clear now before you, you start listening more. Yes, I really do like The Last Jedi and Ryan Johnson. I think I lost a few uh, listeners because of that statement. Uh, but no, I would always rent Return of the Jedi. My dad would always say, really? Return of the Jedi again? I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. I, I liked Green and Luke's lightsaber was green and that movie kicks ass and it's the best Star Wars movie, plain and simple. Uh, but the story ends where one time I got in the yellow green and my kindergarten teacher said... You misbehaved. I guess we're not getting a movie this weekend, huh? And me as this little punk kid, I think I was like, well, I'll show you. And I just, when she wasn't looking, I just filled in my circle green and gave it to my dad. And he's like, are you sure? Because maybe he did know. I never knew. knew. I, I don't even think I've ever asked him. But he questioned. He said, are you sure you were good all, all, all these days? And I was like, uh-huh. And he goes, okay. And we got movies. And of course I got, um you know, Return of the Jedi. So that gives you a little bit about me, but shout out to my dad. He took me to go see a lot of movies. Uh, and my brother, we saw Re- Revenge of the Sith when it came out. We went to see, we snuck out to go see, um, Return of the King. Um, we used to watch it at this one theater. Um, that was, uh, it was like a five buck movie showings, um, uh, because it was like right before they were leaving theaters. And we went to go see Return of the King and I was like grounded and my mom wouldn't let me out of the house. But my dad, he came into my room and he was like, Hey, Return of the Jedi, uh, Return of the King uh, is in, is at the theater right now. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah. You know, as a kid, I had like all the toys and I dressed up as Aragorn and Frodo for Halloween. So I stuck up with my dad and we went to go see Return of the King on the big screen. And it was awesome because we've seen the first two on the big screen too when they first came out. But we were just kind of late to Return of the King. And when it was three hours plus long, my dad was, my dad was just like, oh my goodness. But, I mean, it was one of the best times ever. I mean, the theater was packed. It was so cool. Um, <clears throat> so that was a fun fun little story with my dad. Uh, we also one time went to that same theater to go see Peter Jackson's King Kong. And it was wintertime. And we were wearing our winter coats in the theater. And it was a, such a long movie. But I love that movie to death. And he bought me the DVD um, on Christmas. And uh, that was one of my most watched movies growing up. So King Kong, Peter Jackson, who would have thought? But, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Um, but yeah, anyway, if you have any stories like that, I would love to hear them. So when this video, this podcast goes up, I would love to hear some of your stories and, and kind of like your favorite films or, or some of your opinions on the following, um, year of 2019 and review. So, uh, let's talk about 2019, uh, 2019 has, we really don't deserve it as what my thoughts are on this because, when, when you think about 2018, the year before, which seemed like the end of cinema almost in a sense because of just the Academy, um, it was it was crazy. But when 2019 started, I mean, at least for me, it started uh, when uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z Broly came out. I went to see that in theaters. And my gosh, 
Um, I really liked Broly. I think it's one of the best um, uh, Dragon Ball Z movies to come out um, in a while. So uh, Broly was definitely one of the first of the year. Uh, I saw that. Um, Alita Battle Angel was such a good film. I don't care what anybody says. This movie was underrated. Um, I, I, I really, really liked, um, Alita. So there's that. Um, I mean, it's just been a good year. If, whether it's like you like these, you know, indie films, or if you're liking, um, the MCU movies, cause you got a lot of good stuff there. Or if you're just a big fan of, um, sci-fi, like nostalgic films, because like I said, Dragon Ball Z, Alita Battle Angel, um, my goodness, you know, like these are insane movies. You also got, uh, Captain Marvel right before the, um, right before the release, I felt like it, it was released a little too close to Endgame, but Captain Marvel came out and, you know, that was a good time. Uh, you know, Endgame, I think is probably going to be one of the best movies of the year. Um, definitely of the decade for sure. Uh, I, I can't think of a better cinema experience than when I saw Endgame in theaters with on opening night with my friends and my girlfriend and everyone clapping and crying. And it was just an amazing, an amazing experience that I can't believe we got to, 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 to see that actually come out. It kind of stinks that, uh, Far From Home came out just right after, uh, kind of took the the steam of that for 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 a bit, but it's all right now. Um, MCU's back, and if you're a big MCU fan, then you got Spider Man back too. So that's great. Speaking of that, I you know the DCEU was saved thanks to um, Shazam coming out. Really great film. Um, I like I like this direction that the uh, DC movies go. I'm a big DC guy. Um, I don't know if that's gonna lose me some listeners there too, but I am. Like I said, like I said before, you, you got a lot of great like. Um, like, uh, like what's it pop culture stuff. So you got like detective Pikachu that came out. Um, that was a, Oh my gosh. Like when I went, saw detective Pikachu, I felt like a kid in the theater again. Just, I never thought I'd get to see Pokemon besides like the first two films that were animated on the big screen. Uh, but to see a live action Pokemon movie, which is awesome. I think Ryan Reynolds was a perfect casting for it. Um, man, like just 20, 20- 2019 has just been a really good year. And then you got the Masters of Horror making their movies this year. You had Robert Eggerts, you had Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, and Jennifer Kent all coming out with their second feature films. Uh, Us from Jordan Peele started off. What a freaking fantastic film that was. Uh, Just a really good um, throwback to kind of like an Alfred Hitchcock type with a little nostalgia in there. Um, And then you got... Ari Aster with Midsummer. Not the biggest fan of that movie, but I really do respect the filmmaking for it. He really did the directing well in that film. Um, a little bit callback to The Wicker Man, too, in a sense, but I mean, still his very own movie. Um, I, I love like how much uh, recep- well received that movie got from from audiences. They just thought it was. I just couldn't think a movie like that could be in theaters. It just felt illegal almost. <laughs> but uh, and then you got Jennifer Kent with The Nightingale, which is. Probably one of the hardest hitting movies of the year, at least. Um, when I saw it in theaters, I was just like, man, Jennifer Kent is pissed. Uh, she needs to make more movies ASAP or she's going to keep putting these movies out to get attention, which, I mean, a very well-made movie, but a very, very angry reaction to, um, it, it really is a travesty. She doesn't get to put out as many movies as some of the other um, directors in the in the field. And, it, you know, when you make a movie like this, I think people will pay attention. So I think there was a good move on her part. Uh, Robert Eggerts ties it in at the end with The Lighthouse, which uh, is a freaking phenomenal movie as well. Um, all four of these directors really kicked ass. Um, that's not even thinking with Mike Flanagan uh, with Dr. Sleep, which is I, just now being released. Uh, I, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but yeah, just really, really, really good stuff there. Um, you got the Disney remakes of sorts. Uh, I really won't talk too much about them. I'm not really crazy about Disney um, at least right now, even though I love Star Wars, so I'm kind of like a, you know, I, I kind of contradict myself in that way, I guess I'll, I'll say. <laughs> uh, but let's see, we we got, I mean, speaking of horror, I mean, we also got Crawl, which was a Sam Raimi produced film, which is amazing. I don't care what anybody says, if you haven't seen Crawl, go see Crawl. It's an amazing movie. It's a good time. Um, they they need to start making more movies like this. Seriously, it's just it's just good good cinema that you can just go and like watch and have a good time with same goes for something like scary stories to tell in the dark that came out this year del toro produced just a really fun movie i wish it came out in october it had such great atmosphere uh but you know it came out just a little before i think in september i believe 
um might have been august but um yeah scary stories to tell the dark if you grew up watching those books or reading those books and then seeing the movie it was a good time it's a good haunted haunted tale ready or not um samara weaving um reminds me so much of sigourney weaver <laughs> uh if that's makes sense i guess she's just so badass she, i can't believe ready or not came out this year um we really did deserve that movie uh it especially for like a wide release that it did because man movies like that just don't get made as much i feel like and the fact that those things are coming back i think is just a really really good sign uh i i hope more movies like that do come out let's see rocket man came out this year too that kind of showed bohemian rhapsody how to properly make a uh, musician biopic film i think taron egerton kicked ass in that movie uh he, he did a really 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 good job uh book smart um olivia wilde um i think this is the movie to replace super bad but i mean super bad i freaking love too but book smart man uh, that was a really good surprise. I didn't think that movie was going to be as good as it was, but it definitely, definitely was uh, a really good time. Um, when I think about some of my favorite movies of the year, um, I mean, one can't help but say Once Upon a Time in um, Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino maybe directed his best movie to date. Um, it's a really, really, really good um, argument to be made there. Uh, the Farewell by Lulu Wang might be the front runner for my favorite of the year. Uh, I can't remember bawling in a theater like that um, at the ending for that movie. <laughs> the Farewell is just so phenomenal. And speaking of like foreign films or semi-foreign film films, um, the I just recently saw Parasite, and my God, that movie is so good. Parasite. It has a lot of barriers to break down that are very easy to like interpret. So it's not like super critical in thinking, but it's a very observational take on society. And I really like that. So if you haven't seen Parasite, you heard it here. You need to check that movie out. You really, really do. I also really recommend um, you go see Jojo Rabbit that's in theaters right now. I've heard really good things. I haven't seen it yet, but I hear it's a really, really great time. Uh, like 2019 is really going to be tying loose ends i feel like uh we, ha we haven't even gotten um the new star wars movie yet rise of skywalker which is like gonna be so intense to see because it's gonna be the last it's gonna be the end of a trilogy um i really don't know how i'm gonna take it because i really like this trilogy so we we have rise of skywalker we have marriage story still waiting to come out by noah Baumbach. um it kind of looks like a kramer versus kramer type uh but you know, I, I like both that movie and I love Noah Baumbach. I think he's really good for the, the, the culture. Um, I think his movies along with Greta Gerwig are phenomenal films. I think Noah Baumbach is probably one of my favorite directors of, uh, you know, of, the, of, of my time so far. So I'm really excited for marriage story. Uh, let's see knives out with Ryan Johnson. Like I said earlier, I mean, Ryan Johnson with knives out. I mean, how can you not be excited for that movie? The movie looks just so awesome. I really like the cast and the ensemble, the whodunit approach. I think that um, that movie's going to really turn people into apologizing to Ryan Johnson for all the really rude criticisms he's been got, got, getting with um, The Last Jedi. Uh, I think they're really unfair. But um, let's see. What else has been coming out this year? Um, Joker came out. I, I like the movie, but I mean, man, the the controversy, the news, the the comparisons with that, the interpretation of, of 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 uh, Jason, not Jason Todd, of um, oh man, what's his name? Uh, the director for Joker, I can't even think right now. Todd Phillips, excuse me, uh, being like of all people to direct a movie like this, the guy who did the Hangover movies and Due Date, he did Joker, and now people are saying Joker's one of the best movies of the year. Uh, do I think that? I don't really think that but it is a still a really good movie um but it's a very much a scorsese movie speaking of scorsese um he's definitely made splashes um in the headlines to no fault of his own he probably shouldn't have said what he said but um i feel like the the attacks on him are totally unjustified and we'll talk about that more on the next week's episode i really want to get into that a lot more because it's like a it's a really hot button issue for me because i really do love scorsese uh let's see just to wrap up the rest of 2019 and review so far uh it chapter 2 kind of came out and i wasn't a big fan of it i don't know if that's like blasphemous or anything like that but really wasn't a big fan of it chapter 2 if you are that's great i'm glad you did really like it um i just it just didn't really hit anything for me we got a john wick chapter 3 um really fun time uh john wick 
the trilogy is a is, is a really good trilogy. I didn't. I'm, it's a lot better than I really expected it to be. Um, I th- I think just for, in terms of action movies, it really kind of shows how cool stylized action can be, and just how much the world loves Keanu Reeves. Um, I'm so glad that he's dating somebody. I, I it's like to see him happy. Um, I feel like he's taken the world, not the internet, but the world by storm again, and it's really nice to see. Um, speaking of taking the world by storm, Toy Story four came out this year. And when you would ask me about Toy Story 4, I was not big on it at first because, well, I, you know, it felt like an unnecessary movie. But after seeing it, it is the proper movie ending that the trilogy deserved. I didn't think Toy Story 3 really did Toy Story as a whole justice. I think if you could take Toy Story 3 out and put 4 in instead, I'd love that even more. I just like Woody's send-off. The movie is gorgeous. The storytelling Oh my gosh, I did not expect Toy Story 4 to hit like it did. I was more, I was already starting to cry when um, you, you see the little RV toy in the gutter and, you know, Slink and everyone trying to pull him back out. Man, in, in that opening scene, like, already had me in tears. I, you know, when a movie's like that, you know it's something special. So, uh, Toy Story 4, uh, really glad to see that this movie came out in 2019 to end up, to, to help push 2019 and elevate it. Uh, I think Godzilla King of the Monsters as well is another movie that I'm so happy came out this year. But big Godzilla guy. So um, to see King of the Monsters come out, it was just fun to see sweet kaiju just duking it out. Uh, it's just, I've seen that movie like twice um, in theaters. So um, I guess that shows you like how much I really like the movie. <laughs> so that's kind of been 2019 so far. And I'm at the end of December, we'll do an episode just ranking um the top 10 movies of the year and then of the decade too so i want to hear what have been some of your favorites of the uh of just 2019 so far um even though before like knives out comes out and star wars and stuff like that so uh very excited to hear what you have to say and i'm very much saddened that 2019 is coming to an end because it's really been um all highs and no lows except maybe with it chapter two and the live action disney movies but uh anyway (laughs) let's move on to um talking about a movie that i think is going to be very special to talk about and that is a nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge someone is coming back to elm street he is not friendly he is not patient and he is not a welcome visitor but he has something terribly special for the new kid on the block it started to happen again dad i'm in trouble you've had some scary dreams okay help daddy can't help you now there's something inside of you Freddy Krueger is back on Elm Street. Get out of here, Lisa! Jesse, fight him! Watch out for him. He'll be in your neighborhood soon. You are all my children now. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2. You've got the body here. I've got the brain. Freddy's Revenge. (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge is a horror movie. It is the sequel to uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, directed by Wes Craven. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 came out a year after, in 1985. The movie stars uh, lead Mark Patton as Jesse, and then it stars Kim Myers as Lisa, who's also um, awesome. And Robert Russell as the um, kind of the meathead good friend. Um, and if, so, of course, Robert Eglund uh, comes in as uh, Freddy Krueger once again. And then Clue Gallagher, who is the father. You might recognize him from the same movie of the same, not the same movie, but this, a movie of the same year, which is Return of the Living Dead, uh, which is an awesome movie, which we'll talk about that movie in a little bit too, because it has to surprisingly do um, have a connection with Nightmare on Elm Street too. But um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, the reason I want to talk about this movie is it is my most watched Elm Street movie, uh, starting from a kid. And 
when I think about this movie and what it means, um, it kind of makes me sad that most people don't watch this movie, but I get ultra hyped when people do watch this movie and love it because I think it is the most underrated movie in this whole franchise and it's my favorite in the franchise as well. I love, I love Mark Patton um, as the lead as Jesse. He's the only male lead in the series and it's the one movie that kind of doesn't have any connection except to the first movie. But none of the other sequels connect to it. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 uh, with Jesse as the protagonist. I just think Jesse's character is really kind of different, let's just say, in terms of a protagonist. The movie is very much known for being a homoerotic film. Uh, and the thing is, Mark Patton plays a very homosexual type of protagonist i guess you could say he does a lot of um weird things i guess you would say but a nice story too what i really like about is mark Patton. i really think he kicks ass in this movie i think he, he he takes this role of being called the first male scream queen i think he really does give it justice for that i don't think that was the intention of the movie when he first made it because he was an up-and-coming star at the time he was a good-looking guy good actor um and he was given this script written by david chaskin directed by jack shoulder um, and there's a lot of homosexual undertones in this movie that they really defend by saying they didn't think they were homosexual at all. And Mark, who was a closet homosexual at this time and is now, a, has come out and said he is homosexual. Um, he felt very exploited. He felt like he was trying to get blackmailed, uh, because at this time in 1985, it wasn't really as accepting as it is today in being homosexual. So his career was really in jeopardy and it was really ended before it started because of this movie and these two guys, um, which is very unforgivable. I really don't like the writer or director really disgusts me, but at the same time, I really do love this movie and it's mostly because of Mark and the cast. Um, another reason I really want to talk about this movie today is because there is a documentary film with by Mark Patton called um, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's been hitting the festival scene. It has been played at Pride Fest. Mark Patton has been doing so much um, publicity for this movie. He's gone out to conventions and everything um, to, to just really promote this movie. And I think that's amazing. I really want to see this movie. It's got nothing but positive reactions. And I think it's really bringing um, the travesty behind the scenes of the Nightmare on Elm Street 2 along with the attention of how awesome this movie really is, not only for a certain culture, but also just in general for horror and like cinema. I think this is a very important movie, and I think this documentary is going to be very important for the film industry as a whole too, and for Mark Patton. I think it's good closure for him. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about Scream Queen for a second. I haven't seen it yet, but all I can say is from the IMDb that it examines the infamous homoerotic subtext and the special place the film holds in the Nightmare franchise as well as the gay film canon, partly thanks to evolving so, um, social um, scenes. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 uh, is, is basically considered controversial because of its time of the release and, and just the, the scenes of the movie. Um, but horror fans really love this movie, and I really would love if uh, the community could, you know, share why they love that movie as well. For me, I just really love Jesse. I just thought it was so cool that it was a male protagonist and it was different. Um... You know, I didn't really understand the um, the homo homoerotic subtext in the movie, mostly because of my age and my I, I just didn't really know what was homosexual and what wasn't at the time. I to me, I, it doesn't even bother me. And even now, growing up, it still doesn't bother me. Um, I think it's it's just part of the charm. I think it's really fun. Um, I don't think that takes anything away from this movie. If not, I think it elevates it even more. Whenever I think of this movie, uh, I think it's, it's 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 most famous for the scene where Jesse is dancing and he's kind of like simulating um, some sort of hand gesture before uh, Lisa and his mom come into his room and he's dressed like a dork. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as a kid, like you know, not as a kid, I should say, it's just like as you know, growing up and watching this movie on my own. Um, they just, there's a lot more scenes in this movie that sticks out much like in the first movie. When you think about like the, the first death on the ceiling and like the, the, the thing Freddie said in the first movie, like I'll be your boyfriend, Nancy, or no running in the hallway, you know, those, those really like famous things in the first movie. I find stuff like that in the second movie only with Jesse, but of course, I mean, Freddie has his quotes in there too. So we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, um, screen queen, my, my nightmare on Elm street. 
the documentary I really, really recommend. Um, as soon as you can see it, I know when it comes around to me, whether it's like streaming or if it's playing at a local theater, I know I'm 100% going to see this movie. Like I, Again, the synopsis for Scream Queen is about the controversial sequel of Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which ended Mark Patton's career before it began. Um, and he's known as being called the Scream Queen because he uh, he had a really high-pitched scream, which I think is awesome. I think it's cool, and I think it's a really good legacy for him. I hope he, uh, I hope he gets more attention. He's a nice guy. I met him once uh at the patio theater in chicago my buddies came to visit me um in chicago and we went to the horror movie convention and this is where return of the living dead kind of crosses paths uh there was a horror movie convention and marathon playing at the patio theater and mark Patton was there along with linia quidley who also was in return of the living dead um she was known as a b-movie queen and her and Mark are really tight. And we got to meet both of them, get our pictures taken. Uh, Lenny was awesome. Uh, Mark, I slipped out to meet him. And Daniel came with me, who hosts uh, Cobwebs. And we got our pictures taken. I got to talk to him. And I just thanked him. And I said, your movie's amazing. And I just love it. It's just, I grew up watching it the most. And he was just so nice. He was a really humble guy and had a lot to say. And it definitely was like a one of like my all-time favorite moments in my life which there aren't many but that really does stick out to me and um, I remember interacting with him on social media before even the patio theater um, um, marathon and you know he was like excited to see me and everything like that I know that sounds real cheesy but I mean it's just it re I mean this movie really means a lot to me and he really really like I feel like I grew up watching him because of this movie but uh, he he signed my uh, my copy of Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Um, what he wrote on there is a quote from the movie that's really great. I have a poster of Nightmare on Elm Street 2 in my, in my room, and I hope if I can meet him again, I would love for him to sign it and get another picture with him, honestly. I'm, I always thought I was one of the few people who really liked Nightmare on Elm Street 2, but it seems like it really has a great community, which is awesome to hear. Really another interesting thing, uh, Return of the Living Dead was playing um, during that, that, you know, when Mark Patton was there at the Patio Theater, and uh, Clue Gallagher, who's in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, was also in Return of the Living Dead as well. So you kind of have some of these actors crossing paths. And for me, just discovering them, you know, was all in one place. And what was even really co more impressive is like, you know, I, I moved to Missouri. Mark Patton is from Missouri. He's from a suburb of Kansas City. Um, he lives in Mexico now as an interior designer. But, you know, just a lot of things are like kind of connected. I think that's just so interesting. Or maybe I'm just such a fanboy that I'm just pretending and hyping it up as such. Um... But let's talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, though. Let's let's just get into it, folks, okay? Boy named Jesse, who starts high school, he's the new kid at school, moves into the house that Nancy, who play, who uh, was in the first movie, they move into her old house after they moved away. But obviously, they didn't know that it was being haunted by Freddy Krueger until one day, Jesse finds a diary of hers that explains... Um, basically fred krueger as she calls him and how she has nightmares of him because jesse is starting to have nightmares of his own the movie starts with him on a bus um in a nightmare where freddie's driving it and jesse really kind of doesn't really know what to make of these dreams he can't tell what's real and what isn't um but he starts going to school and he re meets this man named ron grady <laughs> who's played by robert rustler uh, Grady is kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say the meathead. He's kind of like the jock type. Um, and they kind of get into like a scuffle and their gym teacher Schneider pulls them out and makes them, here's the homoerotic text. He makes them, out, um, do standing pushups outside as punishment where it basically looks like they're humping the ground in the hot sweat. And he always tells them to hit the showers. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, for whatever reason that, I mean, I guess it's like endurance and like ab workout, I guess. But I mean, there's that first sign there for you. Jesse, he drives um, Lisa, the one of the girls in his neighborhood, who's played obviously by Kim Myers. She is uh, interested in um, Jesse. Jesse's very much interested in her in a way. But um, they drive to school together and they start to have this sort of relationship. It starts to become more of a... Uh, a weirder relationship when she starts to make advances at Jesse and Jesse really doesn't know how to take them. Um, so there's kind of a little bit more of that homoerotic text there, but I think that's, I mean, I don't, I think Jesse's really more worried about um, Freddy Krueger than anything else during this movie. So that's, I think excused. 
Um, Jesse starts to meet Freddy Krueger in really one great scene where he runs into him at the stairwell and basically explains his, his plan to use Jesse as like a host so he can come back to the, the human world. And uh, in a really great scene where Freddy Krueger grabs his, uh, his head and he tells Jesse that, hey, you've got the body and peels his head out the top of his head and says, and I've got the brains exposing his brains in front of uh, Jesse. And that's where Jesse gives that really loud scream that he's known for being the screen queen for. Um, but eventually Jesse has more uh, nightmares where he actually just kind of ventures out one night and he kind of goes to, um, I won't, I won't say it's like a gay bar, but it's kind of like a bar for, 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 uh, I don't know really how you can call it. It just, if anything, it's for people who love wearing leather because there's so much leather in that bar. Um, but he runs into Schneider there, the gym teacher, trying to drink. And he makes him go back to the school and run laps and then tells him to hit the showers. And then there's a scene later. During, it's in the same same time where Schneider is cleaning up his office and Freddy Krueger comes to kill him because Freddy is using Jesse as um, a vessel to kill so technically i guess jesse kills schneider but they kill him by wrapping gym ropes around his wrist and exposing his butt and literally using towels to whip him and then slash his back <laughs> so he's dead hanging by his wrist exposed <laughs> um you know I, I i mean i guess that's what you know how it was in a locker room maybe i played football i don't ever remember that being the case but i i just think that's so cool and it, of course then jesse again screams again um <laughs> i just god if you don't love this movie already i i mean i mean this is this is really great stuff um and then you know, jesse can't really focus at school because freddie's just really taking over him um he's falling asleep in class and stuff like that um but lisa decides to try, start helping jesse um and jesse kind of wants to distance himself from her um but she you know decides hey i'm gonna have this party why don't you come so then that she he, jesse goes to uh lisa's party uh but before he goes jesse's dad keeps getting on his case about pa- unpacking his room cleaning up um doing the chores around the house um nothing really mon- like just like super hard just very mundane i guess and there's just that really great, a really good relationship between the dad and Jesse, um, who is played by Clue Gallagher. I think it, I think the movie is trying to say, if anything, um, that the father and son relationship isn't strong. So Jesse might be at a loss because he can't even go to his parents. He thinks his parents think he's kind of doing drugs. He he he's not like he's kind of unattached. And Jesse really just needs somebody to help him. And his parents aren't really there for him. I guess that can be said about homosexuals, um, you know, whether you're gay or lesbian um, uh, or what you identify as. And if your parents aren't really there to support you, you can kind of feel lost and feel like you're losing your mind in a way. And I think, I mean, just to give any sort of credit, I guess, to the, the writers, I think this is how I interpret it, at least. This is what that movie's trying to say is that the neglect of parents and paying attention to a kid's problems can really like affect them and they really kind of can outlash and act certain ways because I think it's really important. I think having support is a big is a big deal and Jesse really isn't getting that support from his family. He's only getting it from his friends at school who he you know, they're not family, I guess you could say like, you know, he doesn't see them every day. Um, and he really can't ever reveal himself about what's going on to them as well, which is that Freddy Krueger is trying to take over his body, which could also be, I guess, metaphorical in terms, if I'm really pushing it, um, you know, the lingering um, of wanting to come out as a, as a, as a gay man um, could be addressed there. Um, you know, you want to hide it. You want to, you want people to know, but you're afraid of the consequences. I mean, he killed Snyder, and, you know, once police start investigating it, he has this secret of killing Snyder. He doesn't know who really to tell. He's afraid of the consequences of what's going to happen. He doesn't know who to tell that Freddy Krueger's literally trying to come out of his body and take over him and have him cease to exist. How the hell do you tell somebody that? Uh, I feel like that's that can be said for, for his homosexuality, too. He, he doesn't know um, how to really come out, especially during this time. Remind you, this is 1985. Um, how, how do you you know, tell somebody that, you know, without fearing the consequences. 
Um, so I, I think that movie has a strong case for that as well. I don't think I would credit the writer director that much for that if not, but I feel like, you know, for the movie, for what it is, it's presented as I will definitely take it and interpret it as that. And I think it makes the movie way more powerful as well. So, okay. So going back to the, the script, um, Lisa invites Jesse to the party and she goes there to, to, to help him relax and hopefully he can explain what's going on. And that is where Freddie kind of just takes over Jesse's body. He, he leaves Lisa, um, and Freddie comes, comes out of the body of Jesse and starts terrorizing the, um, the party. Yeah. Like he literally comes out of Jesse and terrorizes the, the, the big party that's going on at Lisa's house. Um, Jesse escapes to go to, um, uh, Grady's house where Grady is grounded and he explains how there's something basically trying to come out and tell him that Freddy's inside of him. He's basically saying like, Hey, there's this thing inside of me. Um, and, and it's trying to come after me. And of course, Grady's like, yeah, her, her name's Lisa and she's waiting for you to buy the cabana. But of course you want to spend the night with me instead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's that joke there, but, um, Freddy crum- comes out of Jesse's body there and kills Grady, unfortunately, which really sucks is I thought Grady was a really good friend later on to Jesse. Um, but he kind of gets axed. And then, uh, like I said, Freddy comes to the party and, and, and basically starts terrorizing and killing everyone because Freddy fears off, feeds off of the fears of basically teenagers who know who he is. So if he's exposing himself to all these people for a new, new, you know, generation of kids on Nightmare uh, on Elm Street, then that, that whole process can repeat. He gets his powers um, if I guess if we're following the Nightmare on Elm Street lore, that they believe him because he's in the physical world now. They believe that he exists, so he's going to be more powerful and feeding off that fear and, and rampaging. Later on, um, Jesse uh, decides that he's going to try and kill Freddy. So how that works is he goes to this plant, this power plant, where um, Freddy is and Lisa kind of is like uh telling jesse that it's okay like you know you can fight him if you don't if you don't give him power he can't have any and jesse tries to fight that back and get, basically professes his love to lisa uh, but lisa believes in him and he can fight freddie <laughs> so she um she kisses um freddie and that kiss is basically given to jesse because jesse is freddie now and Jesse has the power then to kind of kick Freddy out of his body and burn him to a crisp. And that's what happens. Jesse gets out of Freddy's body now because of the power of love. Um, someone accepting him. <laughs> he, he, he can be himself now. Yeah, that sounds like a mess. But if you watch the movie, I think it definitely does kind of hit a little bit more. Uh, but I think it's more ironic. Not ironic, but I think a little bit more symbol. Um because it's like at a power plant where there's like boilers and Jesse loves being in boiler rooms. Um, and it's investigated earlier, um, in the movie with Lisa and Jesse, that that's where Freddie would go at times for, to take his victim. So it's kind of interesting that that's where Jess, Jesse kills Freddie. So I think that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, the movie has really great scenes. I just, I think it just, it's a movie that has really memorable scenes that stick out as a whole movie. Is it the best movie? Yes, it is because I love the movie to death. But I guess if you're looking from an objective standpoint, it probably doesn't. But it has really great scenes. I think that sticks out, sticks out, and I think it has a message that's it's pretty universal, especially in the t- the time we live in today. Um, and with the new movie Scream Scream Queen coming out, I think the movie is more powerful than ever. Um, the ending of the movie is um, where Jesse gets on the bus with Lisa um, and Lisa's friend, who was in the movie. And of course, like in the beginning of the movie, um, there's like where it takes place on a bus, the bus starts moving really, really quickly. And it seems like something's wrong. And then Freddie comes out of, uh, Lisa's friend in the bus. And then they drive, um, back to the same place of the, is in the beginning of the movie. So the big end of the movie is just like the beginning of the movie. And you can't really tell if it's actually happening or it's the dream again. So uh, that's the ending of <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, I think this movie is really fun. I think people really need to check this movie out and give it a chance. Uh, fun facts about this movie is it has the most kills of any of the movies in the franchise. And it's the only one with the male protagonist as well. So it's a, it's definitely the most different. And like I said, none of the other sequels really connect to this movie at all. Because after that is Dream Warriors. And Dream Warriors takes place 
right after the first movie because uh, Nancy Thompson's in it, played by Heather Lamkamp, um, is in the third movie. And that takes place after the first movie. And then after Dream Warriors is the Dream Master, which is a direct sequel to Dream Warriors. And then the Dream Child, which takes place from then on so forth. So I think this movie really is interesting. I think it stands out. And I think it always gets forgotten as well. Plus when it's called Freddy 2, the the Freddy Returns, it just... I don't know. It just feels like a more traditional sequel, I guess, to a sense. So I, I, I think I applaud that. So that's kind of Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Uh, the movie, I, I hold dear to my heart. I, I can't really speak bad about it at all. I think the more I watch it, the more I love it. And the more I also discover more deep underlying um, messages within the movie. Um, I don't think I, at first I really ignored it because, I mean, I really didn't understand uh, but the older I've gotten, and especially in like 2019, I think it's more prevalent than ever. And I love how Mark Patton, because, um, you know, I love Mark Patton. I love how he made this movie his own. He He's taken this tragedy of his, and he's turning it as sort of like, turning it into a legacy that's made him more iconic than ever now. And I hope he gets, like, I hope he starts acting again. I'd love to see him in, in movies um but again if you want to check out this movie this is uh nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge and i really recommend if you can get a chance to see it at some point um is uh screen queen my nightmare on elm street the documentary but yeah that is a nightmare on elm street 2 uh, if you've seen this movie i would love to hear your thoughts and opinion on it. what's your thoughts on the nightmare franchise i think it's amazing if you want to get the movie you have to buy the double pack blu-ray of it with uh dream warriors or you can just buy the whole set it's not the most gorgeous cover um in terms of uh, a franchise box set but i think if to get all of them on blu-ray it's a must but yeah that's been man that's been our first episode right there talking about nightmare on elm street 2 i think we're start starting off on a, the right foot um if you love if you would love to hear more about A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 or anything else I have to really say about it, you could follow me on Twitter um, and you can check out my letterbox as well. My Twitter, um, I think it has like not very great um, comments, but because I, I just, my Twitter game is weak, like I've said before. But um, if you want to interact with me there, uh, that'd probably be the best. Uh, you could check it out, check me out on YouTube as well at Hurtastic Reviews. Um, if you'd like, I, like I said, I think this will air um, every Wednesday, uh, weekly or bi-weekly. And I'd love to next week talk about the Scorsese controversy with the MCU fandom. Uh, we'll talk about, a little bit about um, Scorsese and his filmography there. Um, my thoughts and opinions on the whole issue. And we'll talk about, a little bit about Joker as well. Obviously because, um, you know, Joker takes a lot of inspiration by Mar from Martin Scorsese. So... Uh, that'll be the, uh, that, the next week's episode. So, so stick around for that. Anyway, uh, you know, my name's Chris here at the Hurtastic Podcast. And remember, you are all my children, as Freddie would say. Anyway, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.